Me Before You is the title of a new film that just opened last weekend to mixed reviews. It starts Amelia Clark, who plays Louisa Clark, who takes a job as a caregiver to Will Trainer, played by Sam Claflin, a former daredevil who is now a quadriplegic who has decided to end his life. The mixed reviews are not because it's a bad film, badly written, performed, or directed. It's because of the underlying right-to-die message. Now, I have not watched the film, but I'm eager to watch it. I will not spoil the ending, but I think that the title, in some way, says it all. Me Before You is exactly the opposite of what any loving relationship, especially marriage, is all about. Marriage is all about you before me. And it's not surprising that this is probably the message underlying a lot of these end-of-life issues. And we've spoken before about autonomy. I can do whatever I want with my own body. Well, you can't really. I suppose I could cut off my arm if I wanted to. But I would have a hard time finding a doctor to assist me in doing that. I would probably be sent to the mental hospital if I did. And no matter what I do to my own body, it affects all those who love me. In the case of medically assisted dying, it affects not just your loved ones, but your doctor and the whole medical system and the legal system too. No act is really ever a completely autonomous act because we are not completely autonomous. We are relational. In the film, Will tells Lou that he has decided that he will live six more months and then he will seek assisted dying. He already decided that before he met her. Lou responds... But that was before me. And that's what it is. Once we find meaning, love, and relationship, once we know we're not alone, usually we want to live. I encourage you to go watch Me Before You. Watch it and talk about it. It's a great opportunity to speak about these issues. More importantly, I encourage you to learn as much as you can about these issues. We need to be informed. But perhaps most important of all, I encourage you to be Catholic. According to the census, 44% of Canadians report that they are Catholic. If 44% of Canadians were truly Catholic, living their Catholic faith with knowledge and passion, we would not have these issues in Canada. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. And I'm Emily Callan. So um, uh, again, I think you're going to rem- remind everybody, Emily, that uh, yes. people can listen to to this program if they're only going to hear a little bit of it and listen to all our programs at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also yes. where they can, you know, comment. Of course. If they have any comments. Yeah, we'd love to hear what they yeah, have to say, have right? To comment. Tell us if This you, is what if we're prefer, all about, really. If you prefer Emily than me. <laughs> you want Emily to host the show. <laughs> right. But you're gonna have to reach me at Deacon Pedro GM. That's Twitter. Can people find you on Twitter? You're they not, can. I can am you? on Twitter, yeah. yeah. It's at Emmy Callan. E M E M I C A L L A N. Okay, good. Yeah. So at Deacon Pedro GM and at Emmy Callan. Mm-hmm. There you go. And if Emily starts getting more m- Twitter messages. I hope that it's me, love mail. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be <laughs> upset. Um, now, Emily, you, yeah. uh, just before we start, also, you have a you have a little mini series that you've been working on on TV. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Love as we know it. Well, I was inspired by the World Meeting of Families, uh-huh. so uh, all the producers at Salt and Light had to, um, you know, go and 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 basically produce find these families. find families, right, and share their story. Yeah. In preparation for the World Meeting of Families. Yes. And as you know, there was also two synods that uh, that yes. the Pope called for around the family. 
So um, we just thought that we would put these videos together um, in, in, a, in a small series as a reminder, really, uh-huh. you know, that, uh, listen, this is still important that, um, you know, these, these stories are, are really invaluable and, and timeless. And right. so, uh, so yeah, so these three, uh, three segments for now, there might be more uh, eventually. Uh, one just aired this week. There's another one airing next Tuesday. So I think Tuesdays. that's June 14th. Tuesday, I, yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah, tu- at, yes. At so Tuesday's eight p.m. If you if you ha- if you have Salt and Light, if you're in our broadcast area, you can watch yes. it online. Sorry, on on TV, but you can also watch it live on, streaming online. saltandlighttv.org. Yes. Yep. And will they be also posted on yes, our website? Yes, on the website as well, uh, and of course on YouTube. Um, yes, you can find them there. Good. So love yeah. as we know. Love it. as we know it. Yeah. So love as we know is basically just how how our families choosing to love the way that they know. How yeah. to love. Good. And the connection yeah. with the with the uh, exhortation of Maurice Letizia, exactly. love, the joy of love, right. which is about the family. Exactly. Good. So all yeah. that and Emily put all that together so you can uh, find love as we know it. Um, good. And uh, anyway, so you're going to be you're going to stay around and tell us uh, our news in a little yes. bit. Um, after that, Danny Torquia will be here. He has some public relations tips, as always, for our Catholic organizations in about that's in about 15 minutes. And then afterwards, Sebastian on Connect 5 will be speaking with John Maldrig. He's the film critic and media uh, reviewer for CNS Catholic News Service. And they're going to talk about bringing Christian perspective to films. That's at the end of the first half hour. And in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking about Henry Nouwen. Oh, I love Henry Nouwen. Good. I wanted you to say that. Okay, good. So if people have not heard about Henry Nouwen, one of the greatest spiritual thinkers, writers of our time, um, Henry Nouwen. So, like, accessible, too, for everyone. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. So we're going to be speaking with Karen Pascal. She's the executive director of the Henry Nouwen Society. Um, and, and we're going to find out why he's so good and why he's still loved 20 years after mm. his death. You know, it's been 20 years. He died in 1996. You know, he was friends with uh, Jean Vanier. Yes, he Nash. was. That's how I, I know him. And in fact, yeah. I've been to his house where he lived at Daybreak oh, in Richmond Hill. Cool. Yeah, the house. You can take a retreat there, actually. Um, and then after that, so that's in about in about half an hour, uh, Henry Nouwen. And then after that, we're going to end the program with a conversation with a singer-songwriter from Australia, Maria Pineda. Now, Maria Pineda is not a, an Australian name. She's obviously <laughs> not Australian, but she's been there for many, many years. Um, and we love featuring new artists, and especially if they're from Australia. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to begin with a song. Here's Maria Pineda with a song called I Want to See from her album Build on Rock. You walked alone down the street So old, so frail, so old Your back bent down to the ground So low, so low, so Small, your steps, so small. 
That was Maria Pineda with I Want to See from her album Build on Rock. And we're going to be speaking with Maria Pineda in our second half hour. But first, Emily yeah. is still here. And uh, so with, with the our news. news. So what's on, the, what's on, the, what's been happening this week? Okay. So first off, starting on la- well, last Sunday, uh-huh. um, so exactly a week ago, uh, there were two canonizations. Yeah. Now, this just came, if uh, if everyone remembers, like after the big jubilee of priests uh, that was uh, held at the at the Vatican. Yes. Um, so these two saints, um, Stanislaus of Jesus yes. and Mary Elizabeth Hesselblad. Yes, from Sweden. From Sweden. She's from Sweden. He's and not. he's Polish. Yes. Yeah. Yes, another so Polish saint. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Which is great with the World Youth Day and stuff, yeah, you know, I coming know. up. Like, so many Polish um, saints. <laughs> So, uh, so Saint Stanislaus uh, again, like he's from he's yeah, so he's from Poland, and uh, in the 17th century, mm-hmm. and he found founded the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. Uh-huh. Now, Sister uh, Saint Mary has Elizabeth Hesselblad again, yeah. Swedish, and she was a convert to Catholicism, yes. and she founded the Order of Saint Bridget. Yes, yeah, that's great. I'm very excited. I, I spent a summer in Sweden in 19. 19- Anyway, a long time ago, and uh, and uh, I love Sweden. Oh, yeah. it's, so I've never been, exciting. but yes, beautiful it's place, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, second news. So uh, everyone knows the Saint, the Oratory of Saint Joseph in yes, Montreal. In Montreal, yes. One of the most, you know, the most visited uh, shrines in Canada. Yes. So now they're they're going to be upgrading the site, and this is a project that's going to last five years okay. and it's going to start in 2017 and it's a project that's going to cost about 80 million dollars wow. which is huge mm-hmm. um so this project is going to include a 360 degree observatory oh uh, a new pavilion for visitors a new garden new outdoor lighting uh this, which is, this is a really cool thing because as you know, there's a ton of stairs. Yes. Right? Oh, they're going to put an escalator. 
I don't know how they're going to do it, but some kind of mechanical, oh, you know. But the whole point is yeah. you have to go up the stairs on your knees. Well, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of the stairs. I mean, ex- like you say, because that's almost like a pilgrimage, right? Like a it's ski lift. <laughs> right. What? That would be kind of cool. For the winter. Right? That'd be great. That yeah. would be cool. Good. And a Tim Hortons. Oh, see, it's not. See, this isn't in the list, but maybe we should, you should write in and, yeah, and write suggest in. Maybe Tim, Tim Hortons, Hortons right? will pay for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are just some of the things among, uh, some of the things that they're going to, that they're yeah. going to store. Um, so of course, uh, St. Joseph's Oratory was founded by St. Andre Besset yes. in 1904 and it's on the top of Mount Royal and it welcomes about 2 million pilgrims, um, every yeah. year. So this Good. is, this is a big project, but it's also, um, kind of neat that they're doing this now because Montreal is about to celebrate its 370th, 75th, sorry, anniversary. Cool. The That's good to Montreal. know. I mean, I was going to say every time I go there, I think it's under construction, but right. so it's always it's going to continue to be under construction, but this is all good. Yes. Okay. So last piece of news, yes. um, this new motu proprio. Motu proprio. Yes. yes. So basically it's an apostolic letter yes. where, um, so this, this last one that uh, Pope Francis um, came out with um, basically concerns bishops and um, new norms for removing a bishop when they, in a case of negligence, and here especially in a case um, where sexual abuse abuse is involved. Yes. So um, this is, again, uh, Father Federico Lombardi, who's the spokesperson for For the the Holy See, um, he he clarified that this isn't, you know, completely new. There has been... uh, there's there's an apostolic letter that John Paul II mm-hmm. uh, came out with in 2001, which was also amended by Benedict XVI yeah. on this very subject about yes. you know um, the clergy, members of the clergy and and bishops and how to deal with um, with these kinds of issues, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but here it's really just they were establishing new norms and what is considered uh, n- negligent, negligent, you know, behavior, and that this yeah. and that this is a um, a reason for removing a bishop, especially yeah. like in the case of sexual abuse. Yeah, um, especially with yeah. criminal behavior. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I believe that motu proprio, all that information is on our blog, saltandlighttv.org yeah. slash yes. blog. So people yes. can find, you can find everything on our website. Yes. So that's it. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Um, lots of good information there. You can stay up to date with what's happening in the church with our daily perspectives updates in several languages. Um, and Emily's there. And also, you can also uh, look uh, for Emily's new mini-series, Love yes. As We Know It, also at that website, saltandlighttv.org. And your show will probably be also be on Roku. So, every, you know, mm-hmm. we have a Salt and Light Roku channel. So if you have Roku, add Salt and Light, and you can watch all our programs right there. Hey, I'm Chris Stefanik, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can stay in touch with what's happening on this show. Best thing to do is to follow me on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back to the program. Joining us from sunny Florida. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's always a joy to be with you. Yes, is it nice and warm in Florida? It's nice and warm in Florida, yeah, it's, uh, but it's the uh, rainy season, so a little bit of rain, but it, it's okay. But I, I do miss the northern cold weather. Yeah, well, it's not that cold. It's nice today, but it's not that cold anymore because I think summer <laughs> is upon us. El Nino is past. Um, 
in the past, we've talked, you know, a lot of uh, PR or companies that are Catholic organizations, parishes, whatever, they, they might be working on, or, you know, pro-life organization working on a particular campaign or a specific project like the March for Life or a parish might have a particular campaign, maybe a fundraising campaign. What are some, some tips that you have uh, for, f specifically for an organization that is looking to a particular campaign or project? Yeah, well, it's it's that's a very good question. The, one of the things that we need to work together to do more of is reporting and measurement, and I think that's that's that goes in line with something that I've been communicating to anyone who will listen, which is being a good steward of a dollar, being a good steward of the limited resources that our right. organizations or our dioceses or our parishes have. Yeah, and and one of the, the critical things is doing research, either post campaign or quarterly even monthly, and that I think that goes a long way to showing to the person or the group or the donors who are underwriting these efforts that we mean business, that we really are respectful of the limited dollars and the funds, which is stewardship of money and stewardship of resources. So if we do that as communications people and also as directors of charities, I think we'll, do, we'll go well to actually getting more funding in the next year, and all this is good for the new evangelization and doing more to penetrate into secular society, getting more lapsed Catholics to come back into, I say, the bosom of the Church, the yeah. goodness of the Church. And so I think it's a really good thing for all of us to do, post-campaign research and measurement. Yeah, okay, so you're talking about evaluation. Um, is there anything that can be done before the event that kind of is part of the yeah. same the same uh, yeah, approach? Yeah, you're right, uh, Deacon. Sorry, yeah, post-campaign would be evaluative research, and yeah. then pre-campaign... It's something that uh, the textbooks of PR called call in environmental research. And environmental okay. research is really like a physician assesses the situations before the, any recommendation on actions is done. So before prescription, a doctor would assess and, and, and do an assessment. Well, in PR and in communications, you want to do pre-campaign or pre uh, before your efforts some research to see how are people feeling. And, and when we see people, we mean, well, if it's an internal campaign, we'll say, well, how are the employees of the diocese? How are the employees yeah. of our charity? And then how are our donors feeling? What do they want? What do they like? And the same thing with media. What are media covering? Are they covering hot topic, hot button topics? Are they covering uh, the behavior of some of our priests or the bishop? We need to know what people are talking about so that we can interject our voice and show the joy, show the attributes of our faith. So that's very important to do research in advance. Okay, now do you think, uh, I would surmise that one of the reasons why this doesn't get done, especially with small, underfunded organizations, is time. Everybody's tapped, they're part-time people, they're volunteers. No, it's like, with this campaign took a lot of work, I don't have time to sit and spend two hours in an evaluation meeting. You would suggest that they should spend the time. Yeah, because even if they have 30 minutes, usually, uh, I have to recommend something. A public relations and communications person should always be listening and engaging people. Yeah. And when we, if someone does that, Deacon Pedro, that means they're doing consultations. That means they're in perpetual focus. Ongoing. And I, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but if you really are interested in other people's opinions, then you really are always walking around asking the opinion of people, kids, teenagers, adults, lapsed Catholics, neighbors yeah. who are who have left the church, people who are in the church. And so then when you sit down for 30 minutes and you say to yourself, how did this go? Or what's, right. the, what's the pulse of the community? What are people saying? You should be able to say to a, a, a boss, uh, you know what? 
based on consultations, based on my, my anecdotal research and my conversations and meetings and kind of like focus groups, I think this is what people want to re- re- hear about. I think this is what, how we did because I got this feedback. So I think there's always a minimum amount yeah. of research that we can bring to the table. And then if someone says, you know what, Danny, I, that's pretty interesting, but you didn't, I'm not sure I, I, I agree with that. Then you, at least you've established a dialogue, yeah. and maybe someone will say, "Take half a day, take another week, do more research." And now we're having a better conversation, and we're really impressing on people that PR has a has a seat at the table, that the church has Absolutely. a voice, and we're going to improve in the PR and communications. Uh, profession, which is, I think, a good thing for the church yeah. and, and society. No, and you know what's good? I keep forgetting that we're actually talking about PR, but I think this applies to anything we do. So so at the risk of using the, the complicated terms, environmental, sorry, ev- environmental measurement and evaluative research before and after, and that means that we're being good stewards. Um, you made me think, and maybe this is a good good place to end, that this is like doing an examination of conscience of your you know your day or an examine at the end of the day that that you you go through the day what did I do what did I didn't do what did I say what did I didn't say and that's what we do spiritually um, and if the more you do it the better you become at doing it so it becomes something that you do naturally throughout the day and you don't have to spend an hour at the end of the day doing an examination of conscience so maybe that's a good connection for those of us who are in the spiritual business. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. you start your day with a prayer and you, and you focus on, on loving others yeah. and forgiving yeah. others. And then you end the day. So you're right. In PR and communications, you start you by do your the mission. Same thing. Yeah. Spread the word and listen to other people. And you end with, how did I do? You're absolutely, absolutely right. Excellent. Okay. Good. So that's good. So spiritual, everything I needed to know about spirituality, I learned in PR. There you go with Danny Torquia. <laughs> thank you, Dan. And vice versa. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that uh, important uh, advice here. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Florida. Danny Torquia. Thank you, and, and hopefully if anyone has any topics they want to talk about or anything in the new year or in the summertime, they can let you know, Deacon Pedro, and, and would love to continue the conversation. Absolutely, and, and the way to reach us is uh, via Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM or at Dan Torquia. Danny Torquia is our public relations expert. He's also the managing director of Torquia Communications, and as I said, you can follow him. Send him your, uh, your topics that you want to talk about or questions, at Dan Torquia. Hey, Audrey Assad here from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with CNS media reviewer and film critic John Mulderig about the importance of a Catholic review and why no film should be off-limits. John, you have what a lot of people would consider the greatest job in the world because you get paid to watch movies. You're a Catholic movie critic. How do you decide what to cover and critique and what to leave aside? Well, our primary focus is on wide-release films uh, because of the impact of those uh, they are so far-reaching. Um, and so uh, we have basically the remit to, to review all wide release films in the United States. Uh, we also cover smaller films, limited release, if there's a uh, significant religious aspect um, or if something is uh, sort of going to be coming back around at uh, award time, then we try to focus on that as well. Why is it important to have a, a, a Catholic movie review? I mean, what is, it, what, what is something that you're offering? in the work that you do that, you know, I, I'm not going to get in the, uh, the newspaper if I pick it up every week. Well, absolutely. Our raison d'etre is really to uh, bring 
spiritual and moral uh, values to bear on the film and on the TV shows or the DVDs, um, basically to engage with the mass media from a Judeo-Christian perspective, um, partly as a guide to families um, so that parents can have a, a, a strong indication of what children will see if they go to the movie, also for adults making those kind of choices for themselves. Um, so uh, uh, advising people on what the content of the film is, um, how does it conform with our values, how does it depart from the teaching of the church, that kind of thing. We live in a time now where a movie like Fifty Shades of Grey comes out mm -hmm. and there's all this controversy about the content of it, you know, sexually explicit content. And I know people like friends of mine and other, you know, practicing Catholics, they say, there's no way I'm going to watch that. Why would you even pay any attention to that? Mm -hmm. You know, you decided to write a review ab about that. There's no movie that's off the table, so to speak. Absolutely not. Um, now, sometimes we get feedback of people saying, why are you giving attention to this film when it's, you know, uh, clearly not in keeping with what our, our faith dictates? Um, but if we were to ignore Fifty Shades of Grey, um, it, we would leave people without guidance about what exactly is in the film. I sometimes joke, we see the movie so you don't have to, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's important for us to um, see the film, to evaluate it honestly, not to go by reputation or what other people have written about it, uh, but to actually engage with the film itself and to take it seriously and, and to, um, uh, if necessary, warn people that it is immoral. Um, but at the same time, not to dismiss it or base uh, what we say about it on hearsay. Um, so in terms of, of uh, some of these movies, uh, there's a, a drive to, you know, the one, uh, what, what can we, uh, what taboo can we break in order to uh, excite people and draw attention to our, our product? Um, and so there's always that dynamic. Um, and that's been true since the 1960s, really. Um, I'm not sure how many taboos are left, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's out there. There'll always be some. That's right. <laughs> so if people want to read your, your reviews, how can they access those? Well, catholicnews.com, they're available uh, on the internet. And also, of course, uh, through our client publications, uh, Catholic uh, publications, both across the United States and throughout the English-speaking world. Uh, so that if uh, um, any of our client publications, if they choose to, move the, uh, to run the movie reviews, uh, the reviews are there. All right, thank you. And one final question. Uh, a movie that's recently come out that you highly recommend to a, our Catholic audience. Uh, I wish I could immediately think of a movie <laughs> to recommend. <laughs> um, I would go back to a movie that came out a few years ago called um, Of Gods and Men. Uh, which is a magnificent film, and um, it's very hard to make a good religious movie. Uh, and we see a lot of evidence of that um, because there are a lot of well-intentioned but not particularly well-done movies uh, in that religious category. Uh, so Of Gods and Men is a film that, that meets that, and I like to say it's not only the best religious film I've seen since I've been reviewing, it's the best film I've seen since I've re been reviewing. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with media reviewer John Maldrick. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5.
Coming up in our second half hour, exploring the inner journey through the lens of Henry Nouwen, and we meet singer-songwriter Maria Pineda. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Surely many of you have heard of Henry Nouwen. He was a priest, author, pastor, professor. Now, I know of Henry Nouwen because of his relationship with Jean Vanier and the L'Arche community that we've spoken about, that community here on the show. It's a community for adults with intellectual disabilities. Um, Henry Nouwen wrote over 40 books on the spiritual life. He gave many lectures and retreats. Ever since his death in 1996, he has, been, he has continued guiding thousands of people around the world through his writings. And this year, in Toronto, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of his death, the Henry Nouwen Society is presenting an international conference that is titled The Way of the Heart, Exploring the Inner Journey Through the Lens of Henry Nouwen, with a host of excellent uh, speakers, many who knew Henry Nouwen personally. And to tell us more about Henry and about this celebration and of, uh, about his work, I am now joined by Karen Pascal. She is the executive director of the Henry Nouwen Society. Karen, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Pedro. So, Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so, so, okay, so for people who've never heard of Henry Nouwen, I just said he's, he was an author, he was a priest, but tell me more. What, what else about Henry Nouwen should people know? I think they need to know what a unique contribution he made as a, as a spiritual thinker. And I uh-huh. think, uh, you know, today they recognize him as probably one of the, the greatest spiritual writers to come forth out of the 20th century as a Christian. Um, Henry's contribution was really his bringing together theology and psychology. He okay. was very interested in the heart, the issues of the heart. Right. Okay. So, um, which is why I, I would think that a lot of his books, like people can just go to the public library and probably find a lot of his books. It's not like yes. they're books that are relegated to the theology department in some university, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. You should probably find at least a dozen of his books in the, yeah. in the local library. Now, you knew him personally. I did. I got to know him. I, I, I myself was a television producer, and I was doing a program where I would always ask people who is inspiring you. Right. And the name Henry Nowen kept coming up, and so I began to pursue to find him, uh-huh. thinking I'd have him as a guest on my show. Yeah. And? and? And what happened was eventually I did get to interview him. We brought a crew, met with him. We spent a day with him, a half a day with him, actually, at, out at L'Arche, and that yeah. was kind of the beginnings of it. Uh, we came back, did a little bit more, and then within that year, I did a couple of programs out of that from the interviews that we had had done, and uh, within the year, he died. So right. that would be back in 96, and uh, I realized I had the best footage on Henry, so I went forward and did a documentary on him in which I, I spoke with family and friends and colleagues and used mm-hmm. their comments to really discover who Henry was as they knew him. Right, and this is the documentary that we aired on Salt and Light Television, I believe. Yes, that's recently. the one, yeah. Yeah. Now, you probably had access to him in a, in, in a way that other people didn't. I mean, people knew him personally, but you were there with a camera, maybe asking questions that some other people maybe weren't asking. Do you, do you have any particular um, memories or anything that really stands out in your mind about something he said or, or what he did that, that you will carry with you forever? I do. I think I think it was really, well, there were many things, but I would have to say, when he described the return of the prodigal son story, uh-huh. I will never forget 
when he described the father who greets the, the prodigal son back, that he doesn't say to him, where have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah. He simply, as Henry said, he just says, I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're back. And I remember that sense of welcome. And I think it truly was how Henry had discovered the depth of God's love for him, mm-hmm. that he knew God was saying, I am so glad you're home. I'm so glad you're here. And and that's what he really wanted to communicate through his writing. I think, you know, if you think about what is kind of at the core of Henry's writing, it's very much his discovery that he was beloved by God right. and then wanting to pass that on to others. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that, I mean, he's 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 well known as a great spiritual thinker of our time. I, I, I'd like to compare him some, if people don't know, to compare him with Thomas Merton. It's not an exact comparison, but um, Thomas Merton is maybe right up there in the same, yes, same yeah, category. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, so that's obviously one reason why people are drawn to his writings. Why do you think that people today are so drawn to that kind of spirit, that approach to spirituality? Um, I, I've often thought that um, when I've used this expression because someone wrote a letter that to me really captured what Henry did. Yeah. And it was, they wrote and they said, how could you know the map of my heart? Wow. And Henry really got that. And I think when people read Henry, they kind of go, how do you know the map of my heart? Mm. You really, and I think it was his incredible honesty, his knowledge of brokenness. He himself, you know, was, was not, he didn't put up facades. He didn't have to be all perfect and together. Right. He was very honest about who he was, about his own personal struggles. And in that, I think people are disarmed because perhaps maybe prior to that time, the tendency was for spiritual leaders to kind of feel like they had it very pat and very together. And Henry was, was really offering the fact that his wounds might actually be the greatest source of healing for others, that his experiences of brokenness and then acceptance by God and and the love of God was, um, it had more, uh, it it was more uh, tangible than you could imagine. And and that's really, I think, what uh, permeates his books. I think that's what people discover there. They discover, you know, someone who needs a map of their heart, um, we had Anne Lamott here giving a lecture at Convocation Hall, yeah. and she said the similarity between her and Henry was people read her books, and people read Henry's books, and they say, me too, me too. They yeah. get kind of that feeling like, you're really writing about the way I, I experience life, and the doubts I have, and the fears I have, and the needs I have, and there's that kind of me too that comes into the conversation. And, and then Henry has answers to it. He has deep answers. You know, right. so it's yes. rich. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I love that. The map, he knew the map of my heart. Um, you're now the executive director of, of the Henry Nowen Society. Why, can you tell me a little bit about why there's a society? And I mean, other than, I mean, you're not just selling his books. So what, why, what's the legacy that you're trying to maintain? Well, I think we, we in a sense, we have three things that we we try to do. We continue to be sure that Nowen's books are published. Yeah. And in fact, because he, in a way, died prematurely, there were some things within the archives that could really? still be published. Yeah. So we, when I say prematurely, I, he died at 64, but yes. there was, you know, no thought that that was going to happen. Right. But we, for example, have a book coming out this fall, which is stellar. It's the first published book of Henry's letters. And he was wow. so pastoral. All of those letters are yeah. gorgeous. 
So that kind of thing. So publishing is one thing that we do. Mm-hmm. And then we preserve. We, we have these wonderful archives, wonderful, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, people have kept the letters because they were so meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. People have kept various things. And, and so the archives are a real treasure for scholars and for research and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we also believe in community and in gathering people because that was very much what Henry did. Okay. He really he felt that that experience of community was an important one. So, for example, we're having this conference, and people are yes. coming from all over the world. They're coming from Europe, from England, yes. from the far corners of North America, but just to be together. And I think we've only had two conferences like this. One was 10 years ago, and now this one. Okay. And um, I think it's pretty significant. Yeah, it is, okay. And we, we neglected to say, I neglected to say, actually, so, so he wasn't Canadian, he was Dutch, right? That's right, but he chose to come to live in Canada for the last 10 years of his life. Yeah. The last 10 years he lived at Larch Daybreak. Yeah, he lived at Larch Daybreak in Richmond Hill. Um, yeah. In fact, and his house is still there. I've been there. People can take retreats in the yeah. house where he lived. I've been in his bedroom. It's very moving. Um, yeah. So the, 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 you said that this is the second time that this conference is happening. It happened 10 years ago, so 10 years and now 20 years. Is the goal of the conference also to, I mean, to celebrate his life, his work, but also to bring people together, like you said, the goals of the, of the society? Very much so. And I think one thing that is kind of a, a real added agenda for us at this point, we've invited a lot of young people, a lot of oh, students, yeah. a lot of people um, uh, that are studying, because we really want to offer Henry to the next generation. We want to introduce him and be sure that people who right. are seeking and are searching uh, are introduced to Henry now. We think yeah. his books continue to resonate. They're not dated. They have a an aliveness to them. No, they're right. And 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 maybe that's a good place to leave it because I I do I, if if anything I want people to listen to this interview and say, hey, I'm looking for some good spiritual writing. I'm going to look for Henry now, and 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 you should. Um, so thank you, Karen, for for sharing a little bit uh, about this uh, about your work and about the work of Henry now and with us today. Oh, you're so welcome, and thank you. Yes, we would love it if people would read his books. We think they'll, we think they'll be fed. Yeah, we think they'll enjoy them. Yes, good. So, so to learn more about Henry Nowen, um, as we said earlier, I'm sure you can find many of his books at your local library, but you should visit the Henry Nowen Society. That's probably a good place to start if you're looking for good spiritual uh, reading. It's henrynowen.org, and it's spelled Henry like the French spelling, H-E-N-R-I, and Nowen is N-O-U-W-E-N, henrynowen.org. But we're going to put that link on our on our page, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily, Henry Nowen. Um, here now is our featured artist of the week, Marie, Maria Pineda, with Only for Today from her album, Build on Rock. Only for today, I seek to live this day with the sun on my shoulders. Only for today, I'll give you all my cares and leave. All my worries Only for today I'll trust you all the way Only for today Only for today I'll trust you all the way Only for today
Maria Pineda with Only For Today from her album Build On Rock. Now, Maria Pineda is of Mexican descent, but she was born in Chicago. But, of course, she lived in Mexico for part of her upbringing as, a, as an adolescent. Maria belongs to the Verbum Dei Missionary Fraternity Community, which is an international community that was founded in Spain. And she has been living in Sydney, Australia now for 25 years. She's also the Catholic chaplain at the University of Wollongong. To tell us more, and because of the time difference, I spoke with Maria Pineda earlier this week. Maria, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much for inviting me. I, I, I have to tell you that I love saying Wollongong. Wollongong. <laughs> <laughs> Wollongong. Wollongong. Okay, see, I mispronounced it. There you go. That's a great name um, at the, in Sydney. Now, tell me, tell me a little bit about growing up. What was it growing up? You were born in Chicago. Your parents are Mexican? Yes, they're Mexican. And then you, yes. as a as a teenager, you moved back to Mexico. What was it like growing up in, in, in your household? I grew up in a very um, Catholic environment. Yeah. My parents are very religious, especially my father. And uh, I grew up in Chicago with a lot of snow, yes. as you can imagine. Yes. Blizzard out many times from going to school. And I have five sisters, one brother. Uh-huh. And... I just remember a very joyful uh, upbringing. I think what's most striking about my childhood was that I I had parents that were very loving, and they always encouraged us to do the best that we can, but they never really kind of pushed us or forced us to do right. anything, you know. Um, so one of the things that I explored was... I, I mean, as I said, I was already, my parents are religious. Yeah. And so I grew up with this sense of God in my life through them. Right. And yeah. of generosity. My parents were quite poor when they migrated to Mexico. And also that also gave me um, a realization that not everyone um, has what they need. Right. So, and 
I always saw a spirit of generosity in my household. Right. Can I just stop you for a second? So your parents, they were born in Mexico and they moved to the States. You were born in Chicago yes. and then they moved back to Mexico. Yes. Yes, yes. that's right. And my Yes, my father, when we were growing up, when we were already in our adolescence, my father mm, considered that it wasn't a very... My father didn't like the thought of his girls uh, continuing to right. stay in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And especially more for the religious sense. Yeah. I think he wanted us to grow in an environment more in our adulthood uh, where we could have more um, more spiritual kind of environment, a different yeah. culture. Interesting. Was that and, not difficult for you? I mean, I imagine being 15 years old, you have all your friends, you're used to living in the United yes. States, and then your parents just uproot you. Yes. You must have actually, not been happy. it was very, very difficult was for it? all of us. And that move actually made me lose a bit of my faith in God. Really? <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. But later in... I realized how much my father really loved loved us and loved me to really care for our spiritual well, welfare, yeah. that he sought something better for us, perhaps not materially um, as much yeah, as we of could course. have had. Of course, of course. And then as, an, as a young adult or an adult, you moved back to the States. You were in Texas, right? Yes, and then yes. That's so tell me about, about, about meeting this, this community, Vervum Day. Yes. I was living in San Antonio at the time and um, just saving some money because I wanted to go to university, yeah. study special education. Mm-hmm. And where I was living at was a college run by sisters, uh-huh. um, a Mexican community. Yeah. Uh, but at this college, um, the Vervum Day sisters, missionaries, were coming regularly to give um, to have some groups or yeah. were ch- starting to um, they were just initiating in San Antonio and so they were coming uh, weekly on a weekly basis to meet the girls there yeah. and to see if they could start groups mm-hmm. I see. so this was my first encounter with them so and they were the first ones who really introduced me to um, a personal relationship with Christ. Right. Uh, I was lapsed at the time that I met them. Okay. I was 21. Yeah. I, I was a lapsed Catholic mm, because of that period of right. mm, kind of blaming God yes. for my change of life. Yes. And, you know, this woe is me period mm-hmm. of my life. Um, but in that moment that I met them, I was actually considering... I was missing God in my life, and yeah. I was considering returning back to my faith. Interesting, interesting. It's, uh, so they introduced yeah. me more to the prayer with the Word of God, yeah. something that I was not familiar with, no, even right. though I had attended Catholic schools. Yeah, I know, but yeah, Catholics are not... Uh, it's a little better now, but not always very well known for, for praying with the Word, although we do pray with the Word a lot, especially at Mass. So you decided to, I guess you felt called to join the community as a as a consecrated single, or how does that work? Consecrated, yes. Um, I When I started to pray, and I wasn't really that familiar with the Scriptures, but I just started spending more time in with Jesus. Yeah. There was a chapel, and I would just spend time, and I... Actually, just contemplating the cross, 
Jesus on the cross, I I really experienced this these words. Um, I need you. Yeah. From the cross, Jesus from the cross saying to me, "I need you." Of course, I turned around in the chapel, yeah. thinking it was someone else. Yes. You know, is it me? You know, uh, of course that that kind of doubting that he's even speaking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was um, it was clearly him speaking to me. Afterwards, I realized it, and um, then of course. I, I went to a retreat, a month retreat, mm-hmm. and this month retreat was, a, was actually in Colombia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went to Colombia nice. um, on the outskirts of Bogota yeah. uh, to do this month retreat with our founder. Yeah. Our founder is still alive. Okay. And he guided me um, when I would talk to him. I wasn't used to the silence, and of course, and I wasn't used to... Mm, Prank. Yeah. <laughs> so he actually guided me through the month and invited me to to try and write a lot and and just sharing with him about my prayer during that month really helped me right. and it just confirmed that Jesus is calling me. That was that was it. Um, would, yes. Was any of were you writing music at the time? Where did where does the music come in? The music. Uh, I was actually at that time. On the retreat, it's, um, my the founder, our founder, invited me not to play the guitar. Ah. And he said, leave the guitar aside for a while. Yes. And the writing of music um, usually is after retreats, after prayer. Yes. And, um, and also experiences, mm, sometimes I'm not able to put into expression what I see, what, mm-hmm. or or things that have happened, or it's something that the music, when I'm able to just pray and find some kind of response through the Word of God, through right. being with Jesus, um, something happens inside, like a kind of movement, this encounter with Jesus. Yes. And then afterwards, um, not during the time of prayer, but after, then I take up the guitar and I and I write the song, or and then I work on it, you know, a few days. or right. And sometimes I really believe that it's the encounter with Jesus that helps me write music, because some songs just come out. Yeah, of course, That I think that that happens to a lot of people. So does now that you're, uh, I guess you've been, you're quite the seasoned uh, 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 community member here with Verbum Day. you're a chaplain yes. at the university, does, do you use the music as... As ministry, is that part of the yes. ministry that the community does in Sydney? Yes. Yes, it does. And it's always been a part from the beginning of my vocation. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, I thought it was something I was going to be giving up, but I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't that way at all. Yeah, interesting. You know, it's like when Jesus called a fisherman and he said, You will be fishers of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're still fishing. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So, a bit the same with the music. You'll yeah. be, you'll still be singing and you'll still be playing. But it's going to be for Jesus, you know. Right, right. And Not I, for myself, but for Jesus, for course, others to get course. to know Him through that way. So yes, I, I am, for a long time, been using this ministry of music through music. Um, so the actual composing is from the relationship with Jesus, and then 
working with a lot of musicians is a way of drawing yeah. people in, also into mm, getting to know Jesus that's a lot true. more. Yeah. So that's always been a part. And then when you're actually delivering the songs, be it in a concert or be it in, in the retreat, parish. Yeah, or, yeah. I usually have been playing in parishes, providing the music. There's, it's always been there. Yeah. So it's, there's different ways, avenues that it's just been ways of introducing people. It's a means. Mm-hmm. And then the second step is, well, how, you know, the connection with them and then through that connection then as well, more right. conversation and then gradually bringing them to a closer relationship or if they're lapsed, right. an interest. Yeah. Yeah, music is always... in that desire. Yeah, that's great. Music is always a, a good way. Uh, Maria, we have to leave it there, but thank you yes. for sharing as, sharing your music with us today, sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do, and particularly sharing uh, with us about Verbum Day. I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of Verbum Day, but it's a community that is dedicated to the Word. If you, I mean, Verbum Day, the Word of God. Um, yes. That it's about the Word, and uh, so I'm sure people can find it. Well, we're going to give information, but even if you're in the United States or in Canada, you can learn about Verbum Day. Just look it up, Verbum Day, D-E-I, Day, God, the Word of God. Thank you, yes. Maria. And the music is also available yes. through the iTunes. Okay, okay. If you punch in Under Construction... Okay, Under um, Construction is the name of your uh, music ministry, yes. Yes, Under Construction, Verbum Day Missionary Fraternity, or Maria Pineda things can pop up. Okay, good. So we will put all that information on our website. Maria, thank you so much. Um, enjoy enjoy the rest of your day. As we end our day here in Canada, you're starting your day in Australia. <laughs> yes, we're just starting. All right. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you. You can learn more about Maria Pineda and Vervum Day in Australia. If you're in Australia, go to vervumdayaustralia.com, but you can also look Vervum Day anywhere, V-E-R-B-U-M, Vervum. Day, D-E-I. We're going to put those links on our website. You can find it easily. And for Maria's music ministry, you can find them on Facebook. And as she said on iTunes, look for Under Construction. Under Construction is the name of the group. Under Construction, Vervum Day Missionary Fraternity. And uh, Maria spoke to us from her home in Sydney, Australia, earlier this week. Here now is Maria Pineda with the title track of her album, Build on Rock. From the depths of my you call out and say build your life in me the rock life guarantee don't build on sand or anything other than me it will We're listening to Maria Pineda with Build on Rock from her album of the same name. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Now remember that you can always reach us via email, Facebook, or Twitter at Salt and Light TV. Yes, and you can reach me, Deacon Pedro, through Facebook or Twitter. And Emily told us earlier that we can find her also. Yes, on Twitter at Emmy Callen. There you go. Yeah. So uh, just make sure you don't write her more than you write me. <laughs> yes. And remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can 
find links to all our artists and guests. And I think that we can also tell people that if they really like the show, they can donate to Salt and Light, yes. specifically so we can produce this program. Just specify that your donation is for the Salt and Light Radio Hour. Yes, absolutely. And you can get all that information as to how to donate on our website again, saltandlighttv.org. Just be sure that you're saying that it's to support that great work that Emily and I are doing so we can continue doing this program. Yeah, because we don't really want to be just sitting here. Yeah, because when we're not doing, doing this show, we're yeah. just sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> um, we like working on this, on this show and we hope that you like listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for listening. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Secure. Lean on me.